here with my co-host and friend Shelly. Hi, Pamela. Where are we in this saga? Like, how many more turns and things can happen? I ask every time. Oh, we get- <laughs> you know, uh, we are at sentencing. Uh-huh. And if you think that's going to be straightforward, you're wrong. Because it never is. <laughs> okay. It surprised us, too. Okay. Where we left off, we had just gotten the verdict in. Uh-huh. The jury came back, and we spoke with one of the jurors, and I've gotten a lot of great feedback. People were as fascinated to hear from the juror as we were, as you yes. and I were. And you know what? Her dedication to really taking her civil job, I, I don't know what it's yeah. called, the way she did it, I was like, man, if I'm ever on a jury, I need to really make sure that I am aware yeah. of what's going on. And yeah. she really took it serious. I loved that. Yes. And... There were a couple other jurors that were really outspoken with her. Uh-huh. I have spoken to them. I didn't interview them for the episodes, but there are some really courageous people out there. She sure. certainly led the way, mm-hmm. and I'm constantly in awe of people mm-hmm. when they do the right thing. Yeah. She was like, I didn't know if he was going to be guilty or innocent, but I was mm-hmm. going to make sure I had all my ducks in a row. So when I had to vote, I felt yep. confident in my vote. That's what I really liked. So Yeah. Very yeah. impressive. So now it's sentencing. And when I left off, I explained that, hey, this was false statements to a bank, the least of all the charges. And the right. sentencing guidelines for that are zero to six months. So, yeah, of course, we're kind of bummed about the conviction. Sure. <laughs> six months compared to lifetime. Exactly. The Latin term and a lot of our court stuff is based on Latin terms. Is a non-mens rea? Okay. Crime, conviction, which means that it's the literal translation, like men's is like your mind. Okay. What that meant is there's no intent. He didn't intentionally commit this crime. Oh, okay. That he okay. and Ryan did not intentionally make false statements to a bank. So, okay. so the crime should be minimal. We look at the sentencing. The first week, the judge immediately put him in custody, saying that he was a danger to flee. What? Okay. He hasn't been in danger the whole time, but okay. Yeah. So he immediately goes into custody. And then, actually, remember attorney number four that was standby counsel and his wife was attorney number three? Uh-huh. She had some experience with this. So there was a detention hearing the next week to decide whether he really does have to stay in jail the whole time waiting for sentencing. Okay. And she helped a lot in, to prepare for that. Because remember, Jeremy's pro se. He's defending himself. Right. She may have actually spoken at that detention hearing and participated at a more active level. Okay. And it was really helpful because she was explaining like, hey, it's zero to six months based on the crimes. Uh Okay, great. And we're all feeling pretty good about that. However, the judge, (laughs) which we should not be surprised about with this judge, the judge ruled that he was a flight risk. And so he was going to remain in custody until sentencing. And then they set the sentencing for like three, four months later. So I'm thinking, oh, geez, by the time we even get to sentencing, he will have served most of his his time. time. Yeah, for sure. They do that all the time. They just did one that was so controversial on a child predator uh here in Utah. And it was shocking because the judge was like, well, not only will he only do this, but he only has to do this. And since he's been in jail, he doesn't have to Mm -hmm. serve any time. Yeah. That is what we were thinking. Okay, so... Attorneys number three and four do that detention hearing, then they're out. Mm -hmm. Now, remember, there's an FTC case that was kind of parallel 
to the criminal case. And the right. FTC case is the one that actually seized all the assets and all that. Right. Jeremy had actually requested to have the FTC trial before the criminal case happened. Just okay. in case there was a conviction. And the government balked. No, we won't. We, we can't be ready. They'd had five freaking years to get ready. Yeah. And they said they weren't ready. I don't yeah. believe it. It's all no. yeah. bull crap in my opinion. They're not stupid. They're like, hey, let's hope that he gets convicted of something and then he can't defend himself and we'll keep all of his assets. Right. And what I haven't mentioned is during this process, Jeremy, had, there was a woman that had reached out to him to handle the FTC part of his case. An I didn't know this woman. Yeah, an okay. attorney. And she does civil stuff. Okay. Because the FTC is considered a civil thing, right? Oh, okay. I didn't know her. I don't do a lot of civil anything. That wasn't my world. All I'd heard is that Jeremy would tell me, like, this woman's supposed to be really good. And she would say, every time they come in and they take people's assets and the FTC charges people, they win because no one actually forces the FTC to go to trial. They just roll over and do some kind of settlement and give all their assets oh. or give a portion of them. No one ever fights the FTC. No one ever fights the government. Like Andy okay. Phillips said. Andy Phillips was the witness that I didn't like that lied uh-huh. in the trial. I don't know if you remember or not, but Andy Phillips, he had also been sued by the FTC, and he did a big settlement with them. Uh-huh. His quote was, which Tom Harvey put in the paper, that I settled because you don't beat City Hall. What? You can't win those guys. Yeah. Yeah. So Jeremy had brought in attorneys five and six. And six is that woman that had been handling the FTC stuff all throughout this process saying, hey, I am going to kick the FTC's butts. We're going to go to trial. No one ever goes to trial. That's all I'd heard forever, right? Okay. So then when Jeremy gets convicted and it goes to sentencing, then... And now he's got to also prepare for the FTC case, which was supposed to be happening in the summer, about the same time that sentencing was going to be happening. Okay. Attorney number five was a woman that was really big in the criminal defense world. They were bringing her in to just help keep everyone straight on sentencing because Jeremy was realizing, you know, if I'd had someone like Marcus fighting for me as bad as it was, I would probably be in the same position that Scott Levitt was in and having been acquitted. So they brought in this attorney. I don't remember even asking how they Uh paid for that because the government certainly didn't give any help. So maybe some friends of Jeremy's chipped in. I have no idea. Attorney number six, however, had been paid about, I think it was about $350,000 to handle the FTC stuff. When the FTC stuff first happened, Jeremy, he had a whole bunch of houses and stuff before the government seized them. Uh And my understanding was he gave her a house, like, take this house. I don't have any money because they've frozen my accounts. So she took a house in exchange for the payment. And the deal that he had made with her was that he would pay her $2 million and she would defend him on the FTC case. Part of that payment was that house that first that she got. Okay. Now, this is my perspective. This is my version. This is my experience. Okay. I know that Jeremy and his family have a different experience and a different opinion of these people. Okay. This is mine. I mean, I was so upset that we had any kind of conviction. And after the conviction came, the head U.S. attorney did a big press conference. Remember, like, the press is outside waiting every single day. 
-hmm. I will never get this image out of my head. The head U.S. attorney goes outside of the courtroom, media, press, everywhere, cameras everywhere, and he announces, we got him. We got the biggest fraudster in the state of Utah. We got a conviction. Wait a minute. What? No. No, he was not convicted of fraud. Uh Uh-uh. He was not convicted of bank fraud, conspiracy to commit fraud. He Mm -hmm. was acquitted of all of those things. If he were being honest, the only thing I think he really could have legally said was, we got the the biggest false statements to a bank guy in the state of Utah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But that doesn't sound very good. But, you know, Uh -uh. I think it really is a really big insight. His Uh comment there. I think it's very insightful as to where the U.S. Attorney's Office was coming from in this, what they thought of him. Mm -hmm. So to even come out and announce, like, we got the fraudster, we got the biggest, like, on our side, we had thoughts of actually suing them for... Defamation or... Yeah, for defamation. Okay. Because that wasn't true. No. And he, of all people, knows the difference in fraud and false statements to a bank. Well, he damn well better. He just has been doing a, a whole case on it yeah exactly you know it's like and come he's, on he's not he's not just an attorney in the office he was the head u.s attorney yeah. appointed by the president like right. give me a break but we had bigger fish to fry so here's my understanding jeremy is immediately preparing to appeal that conviction uh-huh. and attorney number six is going to do that attorney number five was just going to help with sentencing and i was like okay great I would go and visit with Jeremy to see how he was doing. I'd go check in on him at jail because I can do Mm -hmm. a professional visit. So I could go talk to him about, okay, what do we do about the FTC thing? How can I help you? What do we need to do? I was actually going there with Rich. You you Uh guys, we've heard from Rich and we'll hear from him again. Rich and I would go see him and just check in, make sure his morale was up and he was, and Jeremy was okay. I always have like, I like to use different colored pens. And as I'm talking with Jeremy and taking notes, okay, what do we need? What what documents do you need to look at? Because here's a guy that, I'm not kidding. As When I talked to Jeremy, Jeremy knew he is so damn smart. Mm-hmm. He knew that false statements to a bank is a mens rea conviction. That's not a big deal. Meaning okay. there's no intent. This is not going to be such a scary thing. And I had the, this colored pen and Jeremy said, hey, it would really help me if I have a colored pen. Can I have that? Sure. So I gave him my pen. The next time I went, I had a green pen. Hey, that would really help me. Kind of like the juror said, she had different colored pens to organize Uh her stuff. Mm -hmm. So I said, sure, you can have it. So I gave him that pen. And so the next time I was going to visit him, I just went and bought a bunch of colored pens Mm -hmm. or pencils. I can't even remember which it was now. And I took them to the jail and we're meeting with Jeremy and I'm like, hey, like happy birthday here look i got you all these colored pens pencils whatever so you can mark your stuff prepare for your ftc case or your sentencing for both because he was working with both and that day rich and i met with him first and then right after we met attorney number six had sent an intern attorney a guy who was just finishing law school to come and talk to Jeremy to help prepare. Okay. He was in the room with us because we have no secrets, right? Right. And he heard me say, oh, before I go, surprise, like, here are all these pens. This is for you. Mm -hmm. Jeremy's like, oh, thank you very much. We leave. We don't think much about it. A couple days later, we get an email from attorney number six. She sent it to the whole defense team, Marcus, me, 
everyone. She's the one that's working on his other case that you don't know. On the FTC case, yes. And if we don't like the sentencing that she was going to do an appeal of the criminal case. Just a side note, I always felt like she didn't like me. She didn't care for me. And all the women that are out there, I think we have all experienced this. I think we feel it from other women more than men. You know when you meet someone and they just immediately don't like you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and from the second she met me, I didn't feel like she liked me. Okay. I made a, a, some effort to get to know her a little bit. She did not seem interested to know me at all. And okay. that's okay. We were in trial. I had a lot of stuff to do. I didn't have time to care about that. Right. So we get this email from her to all the defense team explaining that attorney number five had gone to the jail to meet with Jeremy and apparently was unable to see Jeremy and they claimed that it was because of something that we had done. They said, we got word that you guys were sneaking paraphernalia into the jail to Jeremy And because of that, we were unable to visit with Jeremy and you are getting in the way. You're interfering with our ability to prepare this. What? Because of the pencils? Yeah. I'm like, what the heck? Yeah. I was immediately mad. This is not my first criminal case. This is not the first time I've given clients a pen or a pencil to use. Like, are you kidding me? What the heck? I was already having some questions about it. Now this, again, this is my perspective. I'm pretty sure Jeremy would even argue with me about this stuff. Not about the facts of it, just the meaning of it. Okay. Okay? So I was like, what the heck? And why are they not talking to those of us that were part of the trial? Wouldn't you think they'd say, hey, let's take some shortcuts. Let's tell us what you guys know. Right. So that we don't have to read through every single thing in trial. Right. But they weren't doing that. So... The next time that Rich and I went to see Jeremy at jail, I was asking the guard. And it wasn't just a guard. This was like the head guy. Uh And he came out because in her email, she said that they had attempted to see Jeremy. And because we had given him this paraphernalia. Paraphernalia, what the hell? That makes it sound like we're bringing drug. Right, something. Like pipes and needles and stuff. And like, what? what is she talking about? I am not that kind of person. Like, what the heck? And he, before I could even say anything to him, he comes out and he says, hey, I apologize. It, like the head guy comes out because he wants to apologize to say, I am so sorry that you guys were not allowed to visit with Jeremy last time you came. And I said, oh, yeah, I heard that you guys stopped them from seeing him. And he said, yeah, I'm really sorry. But we had done a head count and there was a guy missing. <laughs> oh. And so we had to do a lockdown. That's and a problem said, in a... In a yeah. I said, oh, I thought it was because I'd given him some pencils. And the guy laughed. And he said, no, I'd never heard anything about that. I don't know. what <laughs> that yeah. didn't have anything to do with that. So the guy was saying like, oh, yeah, I felt really bad. They were waiting a really long time to meet with him. And I just couldn't let anyone go because we had a guy missing and they were on lockdown. And I said, well, did you explain to the person here? waiting did they know that that was the problem that there was someone missing and he said oh yeah I explained it to him I just wanted to apologize again to you guys today which means they knew the truth they knew that there was no paraphernalia problem and so who lied I don't know who lied was it number five did she lie to attorney number six or did they decide together to lie to all the defense team I just don't know who lied but it 
made me really nervous. Yeah. So then I was immediately concerned that that woman would make that up. Yeah. Yes, she knew that I'd done it because that, that intern had seen it. But right. that was not true. And that concerned me because yeah. I think that showed character. That's just my opinion. I was immediately like very concerned about this person. Yeah. So <laughs> that's just my little side note, emotional experience. I talking with Jeremy, he actually doesn't remember when he learned that things were flipping on him, that the government was flipping everything. And you are not going to believe how the government flipped this. Okay. I know that I was with Charlotte, Jeremy's wife, the night before the sentencing hearing. Okay. So now it's summertime. It's like a few months later. And she and I, we were at Hires, this hamburger joint in Salt Lake, like anxious but optimistic, because we're thinking, hey, zero to six months, we're okay. We're going to be all right. And he's already served most of that by then, yeah, so woo yeah. And while we're sitting there, she gets a call from the attorneys, five and six. I can tell she's upset. She gets up from the table and goes outside to talk. I will never forget this. It was a warm summer night, and she was sitting on the curb saying, what? How can they do this? We have to fight this. We can't just accept this. What she had learned, what we learned, the night before sentencing, the judge had just signed to approve an order that the prosecutors had all signed to admit acquitted conduct, to use acquitted conduct as part of sentencing. What does that mean? Yeah, it's really kind of complex, but I'm going to try to make it really, really simple. Remember all the court order. I've been ranting and raving the whole time that we were not allowed to say that no one lost money, right. that no customer, no bank lost money. In fact, the right. bank made millions. Right. The government now that it was time for sentencing, because I think they, I really think they were like embarrassed that after spending millions and millions of dollars to prosecute these guys, they ended up with false statements to a bank. That's it. Yeah. And it was only going to be sentencing guidelines were zero to six months but here's how the guidelines work if they can show that that there was a potential for the bank to lose millions of dollars not a loss but a potential to lose millions of dollars then they can flip that if the judge will agree they can flip it and say the like all that all those fines all the money that was paid Right. To Wells Fargo Bank. Uh-huh. And it was millions of dollars that were made by Wells Fargo in right. fees from uh-huh. iWorks. Right. They literally took that gain and flipped it and said that that could have been a loss. Therefore, it changes the sentencing guidelines. And they were they started out asking for 30 years in prison. What? Wait a minute. First of all, how can you flip it when the money was there from him? So there was no chance that that bank could have lost that money in this case. Oh, no, they made that another, money. Yeah. They made but the money. Cast, that was a gain to them. Yeah. yeah. So in another case or something, okay, maybe, if there was no money they're backing or whatever. But when there's yeah. money backing that, how can they just flip it? Exactly. That's what oh I God. was like. I was so sick. Like, I will never forget that feeling. And, and seeing Sharla begging the lawyers, like, please, you've got to file a motion. I yeah. personally believe they should have filed a motion immediately to try to stop this, to appeal this decision. Uh-huh. They didn't. They didn't stop it. They just let it go ahead. And sentencing was so 
so brutal. The next day was sentencing and the courtroom again was absolutely packed full of people. Honestly, it felt like I'm in like the twilight zone or something. I'm yeah, thinking, this is crazy. how did, wait a minute, how did this happen? Because the entire time, the whole time we sat in this courtroom, every yeah. day we were not allowed to say that no money was lost. And if a witness even mentioned that, we would be in trouble. Uh-huh. And the judge called marshals in on Marcus to even right. stop him right. from going down that road. Now they're taking all of the gain to Wells Fargo Bank. Here's how they twisted it. There's actually a case right now where there are people that are in prison for acquitted conduct. So all of those counts that Jeremy was acquitted of, found Uh not guilty of, they basically, because he was found guilty of the false statements to a bank, which I would actually argue everyone in this, in fact, juror number one made a statement to the press after the trial. I'll never forget a statement because he said, if he's guilty of false statements to a bank and going to prison for this, every person of America could be guilty of this and go to prison wow. for this. Because wow. who hasn't made an error, made a false statement to a sure. bank, whether sure. intentionally or unintentionally. And like I said, the definition of this charge is that it was unintentional. So we thought, oh, this will be the minimum, but it was like the perfect storm. Remember in my very first episode, in my introduction to the podcast, I say the only way our justice system works is if every single person does their part. If right. one person doesn't do the part, then the system breaks. It, it right. can't function. The wheels of justice don't turn properly. Right. In this case, I really believe we had a perfect storm. We had a bunch of prosecutors that for whatever reason, I think they were so frustrated that they had spent all this time and effort and government's money to prosecute these guys. And all they got was the least of the charges. And they almost didn't get that. And these guys were uneducated. I think they were embarrassed by it. I truly do. Yeah. So then they had to all decide, let's flip this. We can't just let this guy get away with only a few months in jail or a few months in prison. We've, so they had to all agree. Let's request the judge allow acquitted conduct to be charged. And then you had to have a judge that would agree to that. I don't believe that there was another federal judge in our courthouse other than the magistrate judge that, that was participating in this yeah. circus. I don't believe any of the district judges, the, the main judges, I don't think there was a, a, another one of them that would have agreed to this decision. I think none of them would have agreed to allow acquitted conduct to come in. So basically what we had was Wells Fargo, who at the time had just been fined in a court proceeding. They had been fined hundreds of millions of dollars in fines for screwing over their own customers. Right. Remember, this, right. it, this was like in 2015. Yeah, about took them down. Yeah, it just about took them down. And now, just like two months ago, three months ago, Wells Fargo just received the largest judgment ever against a bank, and they were fined $3.7 billion that has to go back to their customers. Did you read in there that any one of them that any banker went to prison for whatever that was? No, 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 nope. no, 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 not no, at no. all. Uh-uh. But no. we're going to take Wells Fargo and pretend like they're a victim uh-huh. and take the millions of dollars that they made and use that those numbers to enhance Jeremy's sentence. I Again, I don't understand how this is happening in our system. It doesn't usually happen. The federal government doesn't usually use acquitted conduct. 
They do, however, I think when they're very desperate, and I think most judges don't approve it, this judge did approve of it, let it happen, and actually this has come before the Supreme Court in the past, and Mm -hmm. I know Justice Ruth Ginsburg and Thomas Clarence, while they are politically on completely opposite sides of the political spectrum, on this issue they both agreed that acquitted conduct should not be allowed. Ruth Ginsburg was saying this is completely wrong. They didn't get it passed at that time though. Or Jeremy and Ryan wouldn't have been subjected to this sentencing. I don't know how we as America can allow someone to be sentenced based on crimes that they were acquitted of. That is completely wrong. I don't know how that can... It doesn't happen a lot, but it is rare. And this is a rare case. Anything that can happen rarely <laughs> is happening yeah. in this trial. Yeah, but it's it's ridiculous. Oh, it's so ridiculous and scary. Uh-huh. In fact, right now, there is a case in this, this session of our U.S. Supreme Court. There is a case going on right now where they are asking the Supreme Court justices to not allow acquitted conduct to be used in sentencing. And that's when they flipped it. That's what that is. Yeah. That's what that is. And so I really hope and pray that right now that the Supreme Court justices are changing that so that this cannot happen again. Jeez. So the prosecutors are arguing, they dropped it down from 30 years that then they were asking for 17 years in prison. So ridiculous. For false statements to a bank that Jeremy didn't even fill those forms out, neither did Ryan. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? So they make their argument. Attorneys five and six for Jeremy, they argue, I'm sitting in the courtroom. It's so packed full. I'm not kidding. (laughs) Shelly, I was really thinking, I don't understand this. How did the... I felt like I need to stand up and scream and yell like, wait a minute. What happened to the motions in limine where they said we weren't allowed to point out that no one lost money? Why are we now pretending like that loss is a gain? So why didn't the the judge... Why why didn't his attorney do that? Why did she say, wait a minute. We were not allowed... That's what I was was trying to figure out. And basically, because the judge made his ruling, and when he rules that acquitted conduct can be brought in, then that means the motions in limine are off the table. It doesn't matter. Everything that happened during trial doesn't matter. It's almost wow. as if you it's almost as if he were convicted of all of that. And wow. so the wow. millions of dollars that were a gain to Wells Fargo Bank were now used as well, they he could if the money hadn't but been there maybe, if what if? Yeah, well, yeah, hell. If he hadn't paid them yeah. now I'm not kidding. The logic is if he hadn't actually paid them these fees they could have lost this millions. And so we're going to base his sentencing on that. It makes no sense. No. I had the biggest lump in my throat. I was like, should, I had thoughts of, I should just jump up and yell. Like, how come all of us are not jumping up and yelling? Like, I should I get people and say, let's stand up and say, this isn't fair. How can yeah. you do this? And all yeah. I thought was with all the media in here, if I dump, jump up and say that, the judge is going to throw me in jail. Oh, well, he's going to throw your happy ass out. Yeah. And then Tom Harvey's going to write some article like, hey, the crazy PI on the case jumped <laughs> up. <laughs> apparently, she didn't understand how this stuff goes. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> so, yeah. So oh I gosh, sat there with funny. a lump in my throat. And all the time that we were in trial, I was thinking, okay, maybe... 
maybe the judge just really disliked Marcus for whatever reason. Personally, I uh-huh. believe that he didn't like Marcus because Marcus was smarter than he was and had more experience at criminal work and knew criminal procedure like the sure. back of his hand and sure. it embarrassed the judge. And okay. I think sometimes when you get someone that is in a powerful position and they're supposed to know everything and it comes out that they don't, I think sometimes they get so embarrassed yeah, that they decide mm-hmm. that... And I think for this judge, I think he decided, hey, how dare you make me look like I don't know what I'm doing? I'm yeah. going to crush you like a bug because I can. Yeah. But I thought it was directed to Marcus. The first time I ever really saw the hatred, and I'm not saying this lightly, I really mean it, the hatred that this judge had for Jeremy Johnson was at sentencing. I have yeah. never, <laughs> I didn't think I was going to cry about this. But I had never, ever heard a judge talk to someone like this. And you know I've sat by guys who have stabbed their wife in the neck with a screwdriver. Sure, sure. I have sat by, like, done some really horrible things. We're talking about a guy who was convicted of false statements to a bank. And the things that the judge said to him, he brought up, oh my gosh, he was, he literally compared, he literally compared Jeremy to uh, the way you think, Mr. Johnson, you are like putting a little bit of sewage in someone's drinking water. Ah! And and you're like, I'm going to do an episode later where I explain who I really know Jeremy to be. Uh-huh. I'm really not just saying that because of the spot he's in. I've, I, he is one of the most Christ-like people I've ever met in my life. Right. And, and to, hear, to hear this judge talk about him like that yeah hurt me hurt my soul it hurt everything and like jeremy had said when i was asking him hey tell me like what are your thoughts about help help me like prepare this episode for sentencing tell me your Mm -hmm. thoughts and jeremy said you know what i knew the whole trial had been unfair and everything i knew that but i knew hey these are the least, this sentence and this, with the guidelines of zero to six months. Jeremy said it much more eloquently than I can say. But he said, I really wasn't worried. And he said, I don't remember when I became aware that they flipped it on me. But then he got scared. And then to sit in there, and you have to just sit there while this judge talks and he can say whatever he wants. And the nasty, vile things that he said about Jeremy, I was stunned it like yeah it yeah to say it broke my heart is <laughs> inaccurate it was so painful well i can't even yeah i was gonna say i can't imagine what jeremy felt like what his wife oh, it, felt like the parents felt like like hearing him being degraded so low yeah. that's ridiculous yeah. and gosh and that he actually even brought in the government brought in <laughs> when I think I mentioned to you before it was when Karen his assistant was talking about when Jeremy had gone to Haiti which I think is one of the reasons that he kind of got put on the map like became a target for the feds and, and Harry Reid and stuff because he was helping in Haiti after the earthquake happened he flew his helicopters okay. and his jet there and was spending all of his own money to help there was okay. one incident and I will have someone explain this stuff later but there's one incident when he was there, he'd flown up. There was an orphanage on a mountain, and they needed food. 
And Jeremy came back and the Red Cross had baby formula for the babies at the orphanage. And Jeremy had asked, like, hey, I need to fly this these supplies up there. I talked to this orphanage and that's what they need is baby formula, like, right now. And the Red Cross refused it at, at that time. Made him wait for, like, a day before they could get through all their red tape, as so many big okay. organizations do. And when he finally gets it on in his helicopter and gets it up to the orphanage, and Jer- a couple of, I don't know if it was one baby or a couple babies had actually died. And it broke Jeremy's heart. And he's like, I'm so sorry. And they, they were explaining to him, like, you don't understand. When we say we need formula, we need it now. Adults, it yeah, adults can live without food. Babies can't. Like, we need more and Jeremy was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I will. So he goes back. They said, we need more. If I'm telling the story correctly, if I remember it all right. He goes back to the airport, which everyone was, all the, the caregivers, the help was all stationed there. And he goes to Red Cross and says, I need more food to take to the orphanage. And they said, no, you're going to have to wait. And Jeremy said, I'm not doing that again. I did that once and babies died. I'm not doing it. I'm not waiting. And he went and just grabbed a big thing of baby formula and he was carrying it. And they said, you cannot take that. And Jeremy said, you know what? Go ahead and shoot me. I'm taking it. And he takes it, puts it in his helicopter, flies it up there and helps them. At sentencing, the government brought that up to say that he defied the Red Cross, he defied rules and regulations in even in Haiti. Well, wait, how did that even come? That's not even part I of the trial. I had no idea. But uh, the judge used it as his character to say, you never follow yeah. rules. You're you radical. Are, you, you never, you never yeah. follow rules, mm-hmm. Mr. Johnson. Yeah. You have no regard for the rules. Yeah. Even in Haiti, you stole food. What? Uh-huh. Like he stole food to feed his own yeah. family? No. What the hell? Yeah. He was... Literally feeding the Haitian orphans. Give me a break. Like, it hurt my soul so much that they would take good deeds like that and use them against him. Right. Right. So, bottom line, the judge sentenced him to 11 years in federal prison. I... Wait. Wait. So, what happened to the six months? Because they rolled it? Because... I, like have. I say, it was a perfect storm. They decided to use all that acquitted conduct. So all the money that Wells Fargo gained, they pretended like, well, it could have been a loss if he hadn't paid it. That They had a risk of that many millions. So they used that many millions to sentence Jeremy to the 11 years. I was wow. absolutely sick, heartbroken. So was everyone else. And Ryan Riddle... The judge sentenced him to 63 months. Oh, and guess how much they got in restitution? Now, that is the amount of money that you pay back to victims. In any case, any white-collar case where they're sending someone to prison, what you'll see is the person has to pay back millions, at least hundreds of thousands, usually millions. And in a case this big, you would expect it to be in the millions, right? Right. Wrong. Guess what? This is the one part they did right, I think. In this case, Jeremy had zero dollars in restitution. Wow. Because there was no money lost. No 
bank lost money and no customer lost money. There was no money lost. So restitution is zero. So the eight counts, remember those were the small number on the application that said number of employees. Right. So I said, okay, so did they take those eight companies and then they said added up all the money that those companies made? No, that's not how it worked. Because a lot of those companies didn't make any money at all. They didn't process anything through there. And that wasn't going to get them the long sentence they wanted. So they asked the judge permission to use all of the money that Jeremy had actually paid, that iWorks had paid to the banks. It seems so totally wrong and evil to me. Oh, so, so, so evil is what it is. It's ridiculous. In Ryan's case, what they used were companies that the government during trial had used exhibits to show the company in Ryan's name that every single fee had been paid by iWorks. So in my opinion, Ryan should never have spent one day in prison because even the government's own exhibits, it proved that all of those fees were paid. And Jeremy, we didn't have documents, exhibits in there to show every company that they were using for Jeremy because we didn't know, of course, that this was going to happen. Even so, they shouldn't have been able to use it like this. I was sick. It was completely wrong. I was devastated about it. I remember leaving the courthouse and I'll share a picture. I got a picture of, because I I was thinking after, like, I don't have any pictures of any of us and these people meant so much to me. And so I got a picture of Scott, uh, Scott Levitt and his wife and Sharla, Jeremy's wife, after court, all of us just outside the courthouse. And our hearts were broken. And to me, I can see the sadness in our eyes while we're trying to smile. But Jeremy's not in the picture because he's in custody and now he's in custody for 11 years. Like, what in the hell just happened to us? Can you, yeah, can you fight a sentence? Yes, yes. And that's why, that's why this doesn't end right here because there's an appeal and you won't believe what happens in the appeal. You won't believe what happens. Remember the FTC case and all the millions of dollars and attorney number six is fighting that. You won't believe what happens there. Like this this is such crazy stuff. It just keeps going. It's it so is ridiculous. so ridiculous, but fascinating. Yeah. Um, these people are amazing. Like their spirits, like who these people are, that they were always like, yeah. oh, like look hopeful and kind. And like the road that Jeremy went on emotionally after that, I cannot wait to share with you like that journey. Okay. Because I want everyone to know like a... Life. I know we don't all have trials in a courthouse. We don't all have this level, like a trial that's front page in the news. I don't care if it's front page of the news or if it's just in your heart. We are all going through trials. And what I saw with Jeremy and his family and Scott and Ryan and, and what I learned from Jeremy during that process. And I like, I watched him go to the darkest, deepest place where I know I know he didn't care if he lived. I like, and, and to be able to pull through that, like, oh my gosh, what a beautiful, hopeful, amazing soul he has. I cannot wait to share with everyone what I learned and what we experienced with all this. It's some of, some of the most beautiful lessons I've ever learned in my life. And like, yeah, this is really hard, but this too shall pass. Like, 
So wait, I have a I have a question. So Ryan was there. Did Ryan get uh, the same sentence? Ryan got. Were they, they, were, they were not sentenced together. together. They were sentenced. Ryan was sentenced a few months later. So Ryan was sentenced to sixty three months. So just over five years, which, in my okay. opinion, is complete bullshit. Even the government's exhibits yeah, totally. that they used showed that there was no loss, right. that there was a gain. Um, right. And Jeremy right. got 11 years. That's not what they ended up serving. I can't right. wait to share with you the journey of all this. It's up and down and crazy. It's fascinating. Well, nothing about this trial has been... Yeah, this is not normal. Like, I, and it, uh, No. I feel like I'm spinning in a canyon... Like going back and forth in just hairpin turns. Every time you turn around, you're just yeah, not sure you don't know what you're what, hit. You don't know if there's a monster going to jump out yeah. at you at the next corner. And it right. seems like there are lots yeah, of them jumping out. Yeah. yeah. So it is. Oh, man. But it wow. really, it, I've learned so many beautiful things. And I can't wait to share that with everyone. And please, like I get messages from people saying, I don't trust our government. And I don't want people to think that. This is so highly unusual this is so unusual yes but but you know what you you said so i i'm kind of with the people like all of a sudden it's like wait a minute you know who do you call and private investigator and all that but my question is just like you said this is highly unusual and it's never happened but i don't know that jeremy and scott and ryan walked in thinking this was going to oh, happen i know to them. they didn't i know they didn't think they that. thought they were going to get a fair I know trial they didn't think that they thought they would get and a fair, you, yeah. So everybody wants to think that they're going to go in and get a fair trial. And obviously, we're on how many sessions of this trial, and nothing has been fair from the start. Right. Like, And I don't mean life is not fair. Yeah. We all know that. But the whole idea is the check and balance. Like, there's got to be a balance so that every, you know, you can make the right and decision. That is Bullshit. exactly, that's why I keep saying everyone has to do their part or the system the, yeah. the wheels won't turn right. Fails. And usually yeah. it's yeah. like one person. I will see like one person not pulling their weight one side or the other, whether it's the prosecution side or defense. In this case, I have never seen a perfect storm. It's like the prosecutors are going rogue. The defense team has like one lawyer defending them, working for them. Right. And the judge right. seems like he's absolutely in bed with the prosecutors. Not seems. He is he is leaning oh, that yeah. tight. I you know, in all honesty, if he'd had any integrity and felt that strong about this, he should have recused himself. He should have backed oh. off and said, You know what, I don't like this guy. I don't think I could do it fair. Come on, you, you are, are the so judge, good, for Shelley. Wait until you hear what's yeah. coming. You are good. Oh, for the love. So, so <laughs> okay. those of wow. you that are sticking through this long journey, thank you for listening. Oh it gets gosh. better and better. <laughs> You've got to hear the end. I, I don't, I don't, I know. I don't say okay. better and better. Crazier. Crazier, crazier and, and crazier. crazier. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So thank you for listening to Pamela Private Eye.